I'm Virginia Allen. I'm Samantha Sharis. And this is the Daily Signal Top News for Friday, June 30th. Here are today's headlines. The Supreme Court struck down President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan today. The nation's highest court heard arguments in February in the two cases, Biden versus Nebraska and Department of Education versus Brown. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the opinion in Biden versus Nebraska 6-3, striking down Biden's plan. The court unanimously denied standing in the Brown case. Also earlier today, the United States Supreme Court ruled that Colorado cannot force graphic designer Lori Smith to create art that violates her religious beliefs. The Smith vote was 6-3 to with Chief Justice John Roberts and Justices Neil Gorsuch, Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, Samuel Alito, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett ruling that the government cannot compel speech. Justice Sonia Sotomayor wrote the dissent, joined by Justices Elena Kagan and Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Joining us in the studio to further discuss these two cases is Tom Jipping, a senior legal fellow here at the Heritage Foundation. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So as I mentioned, Chief Justice Roberts wrote the opinion in the Biden versus Nebraska case. Can you tell us a little bit more about what he said and just give a general overview of the rulings? Sure. Congress created, uh, back in 1965, a student loan system that provides different kinds of student loans. And in 2003, they passed what uh, the acronym is the HEROES Act. It's, uh, I, I worked in the Senate for 15 years, and I know the they try real hard to come up with acronyms, and most of the time they don't work really well. But this one, uh, the, the bill is, is called the Higher Education Relief Opportunities for Students Act. Basically, what it was supposed to do is in after uh, Operation Desert Storm and after 9-11, uh, it was supposed to allow the Secretary of Education to make some uh, adjustments or allowances so that members of the military would not fall behind on their student loans. It was a very specific law. Um, and suddenly, in August t- 2022, last year, uh, the Secretary of Education announces that they're going to use that law that was intended for the military in in cases of in states of emergency uh, to uh, forgive student loans for 43 million Americans, uh, totaling $430 billion. So this case was about whether that statute gave the Secretary of, St- of Education that much authority to turn it into essentially a kind of a blanket a student loan forgiveness program. And for the second case relating to student loan forgiveness, uh, Department of Education versus Brown, the court denied standing in this case. What does that mean? In order to bring uh, a lawsuit like challenging a statute, a plaintiff has to have what's called legal standing. Our courts in our system, uh, you know, can't just pick up any issue or controversy they want and decide it however they want. They have to have the right parties raising the right issues in order for the court to be able to take a case. And, and so legal standing generally requires that uh, I, I have uh, suffered a legal injury that you have caused and that a court can resolve. That's basically the formula. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it is important to enforce those rules so that courts 
uh, are properly deciding cases and, and aren't getting involved in controversies that they really where they really don't belong. And for um, the other case that we heard today, 303 Creative, can you tell us a little bit more about the opinion for this one and, uh, yeah, just the decision more generally? Sure. This is one of um, uh, a number of cases that uh, pit First Amendment rights against the right not to be discriminated against on the basis of sexual orientation. We've seen the Jack Phillips case, Masterpiece Cake Shop. Uh, there have been cases involving photographers or florists uh, who also uh, do not want to use their talents to contribute to same-sex weddings. Here, uh, a lady named Lori Smith is a Christian businesswoman. Her company makes websites and graphic design. She also then wanted to start doing wedding websites. Uh, but as a Christian, and she is in Colorado, that's where Jack Phillips is. You know, she she witnessed what the Colorado Commission on Civil Rights did to him. Uh, she was concerned that the state would would come after her in the same way. So she filed a lawsuit asking for an injunction um, preventing the state from forcing her to create expression favoring same-sex weddings. Um, so really what we're talking about here is, you know, she, she does business with anybody. She will, she doesn't refuse uh, business to anybody on the basis of sexual orientation. All she wants to do is to be free from being forced to create something that violates her religious beliefs. That's a very small part of her business. And she says, that's where I'm going to draw the line. And so uh, that's what the issue here was about, is can the, can the government enforce one of these non-discrimination statutes in such a way that if she does any business involving wedding websites, she has to um, include and make websites using her uh, talent for expression that violates her beliefs. Uh, and thankfully, the court uh, stood with the First Amendment. They've done it before. Uh, the, the, the government cannot force you to say something that the government wants you to say, as, especially as a condition of, do, of going into business. Um, I think not long ago, if you said that to somebody, they would say, you know, does that happen in this country? Well, it does, especially where the LGBT agenda is concerned. And we have these cases where they want to say, uh, you know, 95% of your business available to me is not enough. Uh, I want, I, I not only want to buy a, a wedding cake, let's say from you, but I want to buy a wedding cake that forces you to violate your religious beliefs. That's what I want. Uh, and that's what these cases are about. So thankfully, the Supreme Court um, stuck with the First Amendment. And it was a six to three decision, a strong opinion by Justice Gorsuch. And, uh, you know, we, we live to have free speech another day. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today and for breaking down these cases. We so appreciate your insight, and we'll love to have you back on for, for the future cases. Thanks again. Our colleague Tony Kinnett is reporting that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis addressed a packed, cheering crowd today at Moms for Liberty's Joyful Warriors National Summit in Philadelphia. DeSantis is, of course, running for president as a Republican. In the 30-minute speech, DeSantis rallied to the group's cause of parental rights, outlining related victories his Florida administration has achieved on the issue. He was also critical of progressives' actions against families 
and the U.S. as a nation. DeSantis said, you start messing with our kids, we've got problems. What we've seen across the country in the last few years has awakened the most powerful political force in ages, mama bears. The Republican governor began his remarks by calling attention to the massive protests leading up to the Moms for Liberty Summit. The demonstrations, threats, and vandalism were something he deals with daily, DeSantis said, reassuring the crowd that it's a sign that we are winning this fight. DeSantis noted the shift in progressives' messaging over the past decade from mocking Republicans and claiming no one from the LGBTQ plus movement was coming for kids to events like they had in New York City, with some drag queens chanting, we are coming for your kids. We'll include a link to Tony's full report in today's show notes. The Intercept is reporting that a top advisor for Dr. Anthony Fauci, the former head of the National Institutes of Health, used a personal email account. Why? Well, according to The Intercept, he wanted to evade the strictures of the Freedom of Information Act. David Morins wrote in a September 2021 email to a number of scientists saying, As you know, I try to always communicate on Gmail because my NIH email is FOIA'd constantly. He noted in his email that his Gmail was hacked and added, Until IT can get it fixed, I may have to occasionally email from my NIH account. IT spent a couple hours today but couldn't fix it. Stuff sent to my Gmail gets to my phone but not my NIH computer. Don't worry, just send it to any of my addresses and I will delete anything I don't want to see in the New York Times. The email was also sent to Jason Gale, who is a journalist at Bloomberg. Republican Representative Brad Wenstrop, Wenstrop of Ohio, who chairs the Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic, sent a letter to Morins on Thursday requesting documents and communications for your personal email and cell phone that are responsive to the select subcommittee's investigation. The congressman also wrote, We request you sit for an in-person transcribed interview on August 2, 2023. Be sure to check out The Intercept's full reporting in today's show notes, and we will, of course, keep you updated as the story develops. And a quick announcement before we go, we will not have a top news show on Monday or on Tuesday in honor of Independence Day. We hope that you all enjoy some time with family and some good food, but we will be continuing our Independence Day interview series on Monday and Tuesday morning with conversations discussing the American Revolutionary War and the founding of our nation with the crafting of the Constitution. But with that, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't gotten a chance, be sure to check out our morning show right here in this podcast feed where we interview lawmakers, experts, and leading conservative voices. Again, we're so excited to keep those conversations on the founding coming. On Monday morning, I am sitting down with Paul Marino of Hillsdale College specifically to talk about why George Washington was such a critical leader in the Revolutionary War. Also, make sure you subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach even more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. We read and appreciate all of your feedback. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you right back here on Monday morning. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. 
Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.